Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Good Friday service, and what a great time to remember and celebrate our Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ, and just praising and acknowledging and honoring His death for the sins of the world, and what a Savior we have in Jesus. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for sending your Son, your only begotten Son, to be our Savior and for delivering us from the power of sin, of Satan, of the flesh and death, and giving us new life through faith in Him. And we're so delighted, Lord, to be called by your name, to be chosen by you, to have a place being prepared for us in the heavens. And how awesome you are, how glorious when we behold the man, Jesus Christ, and consider his sufferings. And also that demonstration of love that he poured out on Calvary, just consistent with his life all the way through. And thank you for his glorious resurrection that we also will remember and celebrate this weekend. And we pray, Lord, you would speak to us now through your word as we go through the scriptures, as we consider and remember the things that you've said. May you meet with us. May you reveal yourself to us. And may we glorify your holy name. And it's in Jesus' name we pray together. Amen. So we'll be going through a few different passages today. Um, we'll be in Mark and John, and we'll just, I'll direct you as we go there to turn there. Um, the crucifixion of Jesus was such a shock to the disciples, even though he told them what was going to occur, that it was something that had been foreordained by God before the world was created, and God knew that in giving mankind the freedom to choose, people would choose to not follow him, choose to rebel against him. And sin would enter the world and death through sin. And because payment was needed from a righteous source, God determined that he would pay the price in coming to earth as a man to shed his own blood. And that's one of the many paradoxes of the Christian faith. That you have an almighty, omnipotent, omnipresent God who becomes a person, becomes a man, Jesus Christ, and then the God who breathed life into Adam, the one who gave us life, would die so we could live. The good shepherd was slaughtered so his sheep could live forever. It's amazing that, that God would do such a thing, that he could conceive of it. And as humans, we do our best to avoid trouble, don't we? We don't want to be in trouble. We don't want to trouble others. We know people, or perhaps you're one of them that has a medical procedure, and you don't want people to worry, so you don't even tell them that you're going to have that, or um, you, you are going to give your dog medicine, and so you hide it in tasty food, because you don't want the dog to have a bad taste. Or we couch our compliments um, well, a criticism and compliment. We learn that. Like, if you're going to criticize or say something constructive, be sure to compliment as well. Like, we try to keep it nice and easy. We don't want to um, give people details that will unnecessarily trouble them. I think of someone whose limb is dislocated. The doctor doesn't warn them before it's snapped quickly back into place. It's like we try to avoid the trouble. We want to avoid trauma. But Jesus didn't hide the fact he was going to the cross, that he was going to be crucified. In Mark 9, 31 and 32, it says, For he taught his disciples and said to them, The Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of men, and they will kill him. 
And after he is killed, he will rise the third day. But they did not understand the saying and were afraid to ask him. It seemed impossible to the disciples that the son of man, the son of God, would die. And they were afraid to ask him what he meant when he said that. We all have fears. People are afraid to feel pain or to face rejection. We can fear what we do not understand. We can fear trouble or harm or death. The disciples were afraid, but Jesus wasn't afraid. He was boldly speaking about it. He was plainly telling them what would occur. For the joy that was set before him, he willingly faced the cross because through the cross was the path to eternal life and redemption and reconciliation for all of mankind who trust in him. Now turn in your Bibles to John 15, 9 through 12. And this was spoken on the night while Jesus was being betrayed by Judas when he was arrested and condemned. This doesn't sound like words you would expect to hear of someone who knows that death is tomorrow, that they will face death and a painful one. John 15, 9 through 12. I put myself in those sandals and think I would be so preoccupied with what I'm facing, I'd be focused on me, but Jesus is not. Listen to what he says in John 15, 9. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. On the eve of his crucifixion, Jesus was not preoccupied with his suffering that he knew awaited him, but he proclaimed God's love and exhorted his disciples to love one another as he had loved them. He was at peace in the Father's love. He sorrowed in the garden. He sorrowed over the betrayal of his friend Judas. He sorrowed over the lies and the deceit, the rejection, the envy and hardness of the heart of the Jewish rulers who condemned him. But at the same time, he had fullness of joy. He had joy in the father's love. He had joy in what he was going to accomplish on Calvary, that he would redeem you and me from the power of sin and the penalty of it. And that he would be able to demonstrate the love of God through his sacrifice. He was joyful to do that, as it says in Romans 5, 6 through 8. For when we were still without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He delighted to demonstrate God's love, to show it completely, to, to proclaim it boldly for all to see that he loves us. When I booked in for a knee reconstruction years ago, I didn't look forward to the surgery, right? I wasn't looking forward to pain or the physio. I was looking forward to a new knee ligament that in time would allow me to walk and jump and even run without pain. So the fees, the hours in the operating theater, that was a small price to pay because of what was beyond it. The hope that I had or the, the desire that I had for that reconstruction. And when Jesus rode into Jerusalem to the cheers of adoring crowds, 
The disciples may have thought this is his hour. It's finally happening. He's getting the public recognition he deserves in Jerusalem. And they're like, yes. We, they're swept up in the adoration. They're filled with pride that they're associated with Jesus. But that time of celebration and that triumphant entry, that was not his hour. His hour was on Calvary where his blood would be poured out, where he would be nailed to the cross, that he would suffer for sinners so that sinners could be forgiven and saved and have new life through him. That was his hour. That was the demonstration of love that he came for. And for three hours, the light of the world was shrouded in darkness as he hung there. And the God who breathed life into Adam would breathe his last at the hand of man created in his own image. Jesus looked beyond the cross because of he would, he would purchase us and redeem lost sinners as his saints. So awesome what God has done. Turn to Mark 15, 24 through 28. And as I read through these passages of Jesus' crucifixion, this was one that stood out to me. Mark 15, 24 through 28. And when they, had, when they crucified him, they divided his garments, casting lots for them to determine what every man should take. Now it was the third hour, and they crucified him. And the inscription of his accusation was written above, the king of the Jews. With him, they also crucified two robbers, one on his right and the other on his left. So the scripture was fulfilled, which says, and he was numbered with the transgressors. After Jesus was crucified, his clothes were divided among the Roman soldiers and they cast lots to see who would take what. It was kind of like flipping a coin to see who's, who would have the tunic or who would have that outer garment. Uh, it's like captains on sports teams. They go to the middle of the field and they flip a coin to see who's going to receive the kick. And the first time lots are mentioned in the Bible, would you believe that it's about the Day of Atonement and the scapegoat? That's the first time we read of lots mentioned in the Bible. And the part of the um, command was to take two kids of the goats and to bring them before the priest. And they would cast a lot for the Lord and one for the goats. So the one that fell upon the Lord, the, the, the goat chosen as the Lord's would be offered as a sacrifice to God. And the other goat was called the scapegoat. Now the scapegoat, was brought before the high priest and the high priest would lay his hands on the head of the goat and he would confess the sins of the nation and symbolically transfer them to this goat. And then that goat would be led away outside the city into an uninhabited area. And this elaborate ritual was really a foreshadowing what Jesus would do on the cross. There was no luck involved. It was all planned. It was determined. It was known by God that that's the way it would happen. Jesus didn't go to the cross thinking he might suffer. No, he knew he would because he knew what he would accomplish in redeeming mankind and providing atonement through his shed blood. By the power of God and the gospel, those who believe in Christ, our sins have been banished. We have been washed clean and they've been removed as far from us as the east is from the west. It says at the third hour, about 9 a.m., Jesus was crucified with a sign written in Hebrew, Greek, and Latin, the king of the Jews. And on the right and the left, there were two robbers crucified with Jesus. And this fulfilled 
um, a prophecy, the righteous Messiah would be numbered with the transgressors. Now, we can agree none of us are perfect. We have all made mistakes. We have made mistakes accidentally. And we've also done what we've known to be wrong on purpose, right? We've all done that. We've had our food order mixed up. That would be one of those accidental things. We put in batteries the wrong direction in the remote. Okay, that's an accident. But then we've also lied, and we've been proud and arrogant, and we've boasted, and we've said uh, sinful things. Near my house, there's a lot of new houses being built, and there's a lot of staging areas where you see a slab, a foundation that's been laid down, and there'll be a pile of sand and a stack of bricks and some um, prefabricated steel lying there, some trusses. And when the workers come, they'll look at the set of drawings and they'll know where these things go. How, where does the window, where is that to be framed in? Where is the door to be framed? And then they'll arrange it on the slab and build it. And that set of drawings is what helps people to know what goes where. Because you have all these pieces and you want to make sure you have the right thing. And there's been times where you get the wrong materials. You get the wrong uh, trusses. And God did a similar thing in providing us his word. It's like the set of drawings that helps us to identify who the Messiah is. Who is the Savior that can wash us of our sin? Who's the one who can give eternal life? Only Jesus matches those requirements perfectly. People rejected Jesus. They numbered him with the transgressors. They saw him as an evildoer and a false prophet when he is God made flesh. And it's like builders who saw this this stone, and they said, this doesn't even go to our project, and they threw it aside when that was the chief cornerstone. That was in the drawings from the very beginning. That's Jesus. The king of the Jews, the king of the Jews and more. He is the son of God. He is the promised Messiah. Now, turn in your Bibles to Isaiah 53, 6, because this is the passage that Mark's referring to, that he was numbered with the transgressors. These, these words were written about 700 years before Jesus went to the cross. So this is a prophecy written long before Jesus was numbered with the transgressors. For a little background, the he, the him, the his in this passage, in context, that's God's servant. That is the Messiah. That's the one who would suffer, who would be marred, yet exalted extolled and most high. And as Jesus hung on the cross, he did not look like a king. He did not look like a conqueror. He did not look like a ruler. He wasn't even recognizable because of the beatings he endured. But God planned this from the beginning to redeem mankind, to redeem us from sin, from death, to give us new life. We've all strayed from God and our righteous God came down. And took our punishment, paid for our sin. Isaiah 53, verse 6. It says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who will declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people, he was stricken. 
and they made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich at his death, because he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. The Jews were familiar with the day of atonement, with the scapegoat, but they didn't recognize Jesus as being the Messiah. They didn't recognize that he was the Lamb of God upon whom all the sins of the world was laid. The good shepherd was led as a lamb to the slaughter without protests, without threats, without pleas for mercy, spare me, none of that, because he knew what he was accomplishing. He knew what he would do. He knew that that was the hour for which he had been sent by the Father. And what love that he would choose to be cut off so we could be grafted in, that he would choose death so we could have eternal life. And he did that for people who rejected him, for people who didn't recognize him. He demonstrated God's love to them. After Jesus says, it is finished, he breathed his last, he was confirmed dead, he was buried in a new tomb, in the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea, a very rich man who had this tomb in which no one had been laid and he begged the body of Jesus and Pilate gave him the body which he placed in his own tomb. Continuing in Isaiah 53.10, Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. When you make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bore the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. See how this perfectly fits the description of Jesus and what he has done. That God was pleased to bruise the promised Messiah who would crush the head of Satan. There was this work that Jesus accomplished by the pouring out of his blood. It satisfied God's righteous requirements to atone for sin, to pay the full price for all time. Because at that time, you would have a morning and an evening sacrifice. Every year, you would have Yom Kippur, the day of atonement, where sins would be atoned for. But it had to be done again and again and again, day after day, more sanctification, more cleansing, because people remained sinners. But Jesus came and once for all paid the full price of sin so we could be declared righteous by grace through faith in him. Jesus is the servant that Isaiah spoke about who bore our grief. He carried our sorrows. He's the one who was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities and by his wounds we are healed. And that is the glorious truth of the gospel. That by faith in Jesus, we are justified. We are made pure, legally expunged from all of our guilt. And the righteousness of God has been credited to us by grace through faith. Jesus was numbered among the transgressors and sinners like me and you. We deserve hell. Now we can go to heaven. We can be assured of salvation because of what he has done. We deserve death forever but he's given us the promise and the certainty of eternal life through faith in him. We were lost, aliens from the commonwealth of God, doomed, 
And now we've been adopted as God's beloved children. Isn't that awesome what he has done? The gospel is more amazing and miraculous than any fable or story or tale or Hollywood romance or anything you want to try to, to com- it, you cannot compare it with anything because it trumps all of them infinitely. It's not just a story, it's reality. And we have tasted and seen that he is good. Nothing can compare with the excellence and the glory and the love and grace that God has shown by becoming a man to redeem mankind as his own through the cross, by his own suffering. Psalm 85.10, it says, Mercy and truth have met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed. It's like in Christ, we see all these things come together. The truth is we don't deserve God's mercy. Yet through Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life, we have received mercy. It's not just for us someday in the future. No, we have mercy today. Righteous judgment, it condemns a sinner. Yet we have peace with God through the righteous sacrifice of Jesus. And on this day, we remember Jesus stretched out to a cross, nailed there, his arms open wide to embrace all who will receive him by faith as Lord and Messiah and King. It's like in reading the scriptures today, we're brought face to face with Jesus. We're brought face to face with our Messiah who died in our place so we could live with him forever. What love, what a savior, all glory and honor be unto him. The lamb who was slain, who gave himself for us that we could know him, that we could rise with him and we'll celebrate his resurrection on Sunday. But really, we celebrate him every day. Because he has made us alive together with him and seated us in the heavenlies with him by his grace. Now, I don't know what you have planned for today. Maybe you have some special food or desserts or something that you want to do. You go, like, if I had my choice, I would do this. But I know that God planned long ago to make a way for you to have eternal life, a way for you to know him through faith in Jesus to receive his love, mercy, and peace. And maybe you hadn't expected, you hadn't planned on meeting Jesus face to face this morning, but he is alive and he stands with his arms open wide to you to receive you. Will you receive him? Will you receive his love? Amazing love that God would die so we could live, that he could conquer death for us and we can live in the light of his glory forever. Let's all praise and worship him. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, that you are so good, that you are just beyond words. Lord, words cannot convey the depth of gratitude and thanksgiving that that is in us for all that you've done for us and how patient you've been with us and that when we were lost in, in sin, you died for us, that you came, that you revealed yourself and you gave us your word so we could recognize you for who you are. And I pray, Lord, that if we've never opened our hearts to receive you, today would be the day. And if we've forgotten about you, Lord, we would draw near to you. We would draw near to you in repentance, placing our faith in you, knowing that you alone can save us. You alone can wash us clean and that you have chosen us to know you. And you have extended your grace to us, not because we deserve anything but death. And you've chosen to offer us life. 
Lord, we celebrate you and we remember the sacrifice of our Savior. We choose to look at the blood that poured down. We choose to look at that marred face because you have done it. You have said it is finished. And in doing so, you have given us new life that will never be finished, that will go on and on in your presence forever. And Lord, we honor and glorify you. We thank you again for the amazing grace you've shown us, for the salvation you have brought, for the joy Jesus had in going to the cross and for the love he demonstrated. And he demonstrates day after day. Lord, we love you. We thank you and praise you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.